All right, we're doing this thing. Episode, whatever episode this is. XXY. What a brilliant thing to do. Weathen. What's up, dog? I'm so good. You're Grandson. so good, dude. Yeah, man. We're here. We're here, rolling around. The song came out when we taped this th- three days ago. Oh, yeah, literally just a couple days ago. It's flying like hotcakes. <laughs> the, the kids are loving Fucking it. Fucking <laughs> dope. I'm so happy about it. I think when we first linked up, uh, it had been a couple months in the making. I remember I, f- I, I actually used to try to make, I used to try to be a producer once upon a time. Okay. Trash Ableton Beats. Really trash. I promise. Really? No mixing, nothing, weird, stock sound. I just didn't know what I was doing. But it was interesting to me. But I, was, I used to comb the, the sound clouds. I think I first heard your music through that. But after I signed with Atlantic, you're also on Atlantic. My A&R started trying to set up a session. I think it fell through. One of us went on tour. I think that was March of last year. We didn't link up until I don't even know when. I th- when was that? I literally have no recollection of time. Yeah, I know. But I do know that we did finally get in. Mm-hmm. We brought Kev in, and we did that the first day. Just right off the gate. Right out the gate, Kev Boone, a.k.a., laid down the riff. And uh, it was a really interesting thing working with you because at the time— I had been trying to make music that was so fucking maximal. Like, mm-hmm. we had so many sessions that had 200 tracks on them, and we had three different producers working on every song, and it was just like, we were just stacking layers on top of layers, and then we would have such a busy verse that to try to get to the chorus, we'd need to add even more shit, double every single vocal, every synth. And I remember the first day we got in with you, I don't know if you're still on this, but you had been on this super minimal kick, and I think we came into you expecting to be doing, based on the EPs that you had been doing, we came in expecting to do some, like, hard-style electronic shit. Mm-hmm. And it was like, no, we are going to use, like, three tracks. You were messing around on that old, broken Juno that you had. Yep. Still um, in the cut. So, first and foremost, I guess, the, the function that what I want to do with this thing is, is give an opportunity for other artists like myself to tell our story of how we got here, really break down some of the walls for the people that might be fans of your work who might uh, not know uh, what went on behind the scenes for you to get here, what you're up against now, what you're going through now, and and your sense of purpose that has carried you from wherever you started to where you are now. So first and foremost, I would love to just get the get the crash course on like your your story, how you how you started making music, how that got you all the way here to Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, break it down for the people. Let's do it. I guess I, I always say my first taste of like getting into music was in fourth grade. I started playing the violin. It was kind of just part of that age. You know, you get picked. You either like, I think we took like a music test or something. I forget. And it's just like you either like passed it or failed it. And if you passed it, you get to like be in the orchestra and like play an instrument. And I didn't stick with it very long, but I kind of just bounced around. You know, I... My uncle was a drummer, so he got me a drum set when I was like a kid, but I never really stuck with it. I just kind of kept bouncing to all different instruments, dabbled with guitar for like a tiny little bit. But it wasn't until I was about 12 years old where I really loved hip-hop music. I was very into Kanye West and Daft Punk. Daft Punk was like my favorite music. And I just wanted to try making my own just from scratch. Like, had an iPad, downloaded GarageBand on the iPad, and was just programming beats. And it, after a while, I realized it wasn't really sounding like all of my favorite hits that I'd been wanting to make, so I realized I had to upgrade. But it, it was definitely a journey of starting to actually, like, kind of wanting to be, like, a rapper and then realizing that 
I just wasn't going to be a rapper and I didn't have any beats. And so I needed to make the beats. And that ended up becoming like my passion and just... Where did you have older siblings? Was it homies? Like, who? How are you finding music? So you twelve year old, you I'm with the your twelve year old homies. Oldest of, I have one younger brother. Uh huh. Um, which my, both of my parents are big music listeners. My mom listened to a lot of like, kind of like, alternative music like Phoenix and Foster the People, that kind of vibe. And my dad was like a big hip hop listener. I listened to like a lot of Tupac and you know Big and people in that lane. So I feel like. Growing up, I was always kind of exposed to both of those genres, as well as when I was a kid, or still a kid, but just 12 years old, finding electronic music mm-hmm. and being like, this is my favorite music, and end up just now blending them all together. There's, I don't know where the fuck I saw this, but there's this, uh, there's this like video on Vimeo or something by this dude, Ira Glass, and he talks about the gap. He talks about, you don't start doing something unless you have the kind of taste to fall in love with some idols that you put on a pedestal. Let's say it's Daft Punk. Mm-hmm. For me, that was Eminem, that was Rage, that was, uh, there, there were a lot of different artists that, like, made me, I, I always instinctually, when I heard music, felt like it was a conversation. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as I heard In the End by Linkin Park, I was like, I gotta, I gotta talk back to this person, wow. without even really thinking that they would ever hear it or anything, but... Um, then you start making music and it sucks. There's just nobody whose music doesn't yeah, suck. No, it's horrible. Um, and I think a lot of people get really caught up in that gap between the music they're making and, and the things that they're influenced by. Uh, I'm curious what propelled you to work through that. Were you ever, did you ever acknowledge, like, I might not ever make music that is as good as I want to make? Or were you just, it was always this linear trajectory of, well, my shit's not good enough, so I need to, I need to upgrade. And what did that upgrade even look like? Yeah, true. I mean, definitely in the beginning, I didn't think like, oh, I'm just going to like keep going and be able to like ever make anything close to, you know, my favorite tracks or anything like that. It was just, you know, two or three years of just making horrible music and horrible beats. But I think it's like you see that with a lot of things, you know, a lot of like hobbies or any like interests that you get into. You're like usually pretty horrible, like right off the gate. But after, you know, if you really do stick through that like gap, you're just saying I'm just like you know, sucking at what you're doing, then you actually can, like, really break through and push through and start, like, excelling at what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Do you remember a specific moment or a specific track you made where you were like, oh, I I suck a little less at this right now? Yeah, I think, well, I thought I was just making trash until, and even still past this point, I guess, I thought not everything was good at all. And I had this group, Zed's Dead. They were DJs playing Toronto. Shout out. out. Canada. Let's go. And they were playing this festival, Hard Summer, in L.A. And basically, this was the only track I had out on SoundCloud. And they, were, they played it to this massive crowd of, like, you know, 20, 30,000 people or whatever. And this video surfaced on Vine. And I had never seen anything like that. Just my song that I'd made in my bedroom. So they had played some shit that you had been... I'm, t- I'm tilting you. I'm going to try and tilt you. You're tilted. It's fucking up. Hold on. There we go. Wait. Wait, wait, friendship? Fuck yeah. How's that? That better? I think we're good. Okay. Um, so you had been making some shit in your basement, and then Zed's Dead played one of the songs live? Yeah, and I just saw the video on Twitter. This girl posted it, and it just instantly made me think like, oh, wow, like, I have no idea what I'm doing, and mm. this track that I made and just put on SoundCloud, like, could be played for that many people at a you know, festival. And so you just doubled down and went even harder on it? Definitely. At that moment, I kind of it put a little battery in my back and made me feel like, well, if I can do it like this, I might as well 
go even harder, you know. Mm-hmm. How long ago was that? I was about 16 years old. It was in uh, 2016. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. That's that was, wild. That was like the first moment. It's so interesting for me because I feel like a lot of people, like the old heads and shit, like they can't imagine when you say something like, oh, I was a kid influenced by foster the people. You know, yeah. when when you were a kid making beats on your iPad, I think that people nowadays have an unprecedented access to this shit, which on one hand is so cool and, and makes making music easier than ever, but at the same time makes it even more oversaturated and hard to cut through. Um, and I guess I'm curious if you felt that to be true. Did you, Were you coming up in a scene that was, um, like, are you friends with the people that you viewed at that time as... Um, coming up with you? Is it competitive? And talk about SoundCloud as a, as a space with which to develop talent and with which to, to find your audience because I think it's changed a lot even in the couple years since then. Very true. SoundCloud has changed a lot and it was definitely my favorite like f- place to find music. I was always discovering like a crazy like... I was discovering probably like 10 songs a day from random producers all over the world that were just mind-blowing like people just changing you know sound and just making that move forward but I I think that I definitely was close with some people who after I was old enough to kind of like travel around and play some shows the world and the circles start to become a lot smaller and like Mm -hmm. the producers are all pretty close and everyone kind of grew and went their own ways and kind of you know dabbled into a lot of other genres and things but it definitely was like a a pretty close thing. It didn't feel too competitive, like you know, in a negative way. But it it definitely was like I want to make my you know music hit way harder than yours or right, than sure. the next person. And it was yeah, it kind of was this giant wave of like everyone was just it was like propelling to just yeah. huge heights, and then it just and it's so interesting for me because I feel like there are a lot of different um, producers, musicians. I hadn't popped off yet, and in that. 2012 to 2016 uh, bubble of electronic music, and and frankly, I'm I don't consider myself an electronic artist. It's much more alternative rock for me. But uh, I'm so curious to see how different artists are inventing them, are reinventing themselves out of necessity. Now that dubstep is in large part kind of gone, you know, um, I think that artists like Odessa and Disclosure that had kind of come out at the head of that pack um, are, are are continuing to evolve their sound. Different people are trying to reinvent themselves, and I'm curious uh, for you as somebody who is about to put out a project that, in my opinion, is pretty groundbreaking in terms of combining a lot of different genres of music. Um, was that a deliberate decision relative when you acknowledged the change in climate? Do you think that you would be making this shift if it weren't for uh, the tides kind of blowing this direction? Like, I'm, I'm curious... How many of those artists back then you think are, are are reinventing themselves, and if so, are doing it from like a place of loving where they're going? Hmm. I definitely have a lot of close friends who have their music has evolved and grown, and I've I know them as like people, and I, it actually is amazing to see them grow with their music, and it, it does feel like them. But yeah, I'd say for me, I definitely just get bored of the same thing after a long time, even after a little time, I get bored of the same thing. So I'm always trying to just switch it up. And I've just tended to grab things from, you know, my favorite genres, like, and try to mix them together, whether it's electronic or alternative. And I definitely just feels true to me, you know? 
I want to talk about a couple other things to do with mentorship, to do with um, purpose and, and reinvention as an artist, which is something that, that comes up with me a lot. Uh, but we're going to take a quick motherfucking break first right here on XXY. We're back in this bitch. Uh, yeah, so I wanted to talk about any people along the way um, that may have really helped push you along. Uh, maybe you can shine light because I feel like um, in front of the scene, you know, if you're if you're just a fan of somebody's Instagram or something, um, it's certainly true for me, and I'm trying to, to do a better job at, at being more honest, more vulnerable, but I think it can seem like there's this, you know, trajectory that we've been on. There's no speed bumps along the way. We just came out of nowhere, and it's just popping off. Um, and I think that that's unrealistic for, for young people that are fans of our music, for, for aspiring musicians or producers, um, because it's so intimidating. It feels like everyone else seems to have their shit figured out so yeah. early on. So I wanted to, to, to know anything about some people that you consider mentors and, and maybe some setbacks along the way that people might not have known about as you um, first started taking off and, and where you're at now. So many mentors in my life, I feel like. Go in waves for sure. One that comes to mind, not only from just the beginning to inspiring me, was Skrillex for sure. He was one of the first people whose music I heard that inspired me along Daft Punk to just try doing it myself. And got the pleasure of you know, getting to meet him over time and becoming homies with him and being able to travel around you know, some of the other parts of the world with him and get to see a lot of his insight and just where he, you know, he's done so many things, so many amazing records he's worked on also just done so much for different communities yeah i want you to lean into that a bit like what are what is some of that insight and why do you think he took an interest why do you think he makes such an effort to bring new artists on tour with him um were there ever conversations of it being like mutually beneficial it sounds like it was he was just yeah no it was just straight homie like he really just loves making music and just doing everything for like the inner like 16 year old inside yourself and always craving that like you know, just that dope energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 uh, I was really lucky to work with Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park relatively early in the Grandson project, and he remains like a, a homie of mine to this day, a, a close friend, and, and somebody that I can talk to about everything from making music to touring and, and some of the setbacks, some of the insecurities I have around touring, around when my show might not sell out, when some of the things that I was hoping hoping we're going to happen, don't end up happening. And uh, it's always interesting to see how the most successful people are often the most curious, are often the most humble. Um, And I know that Mike knows more about music, like new music today, than I do as somebody that's been doing it for 30 years. And I don't really know what that is that propels, like, the giants to be so curious. Mm -hmm. Um, But it seems to be this common theme that keeps coming up when people... Uh, describe musical mentors of theirs and you know I only hope that one day some young kid will say the same thing about me and I'm yeah. curious if you have thought at all about trying to pass that along and trying to bring some other kids up and, and keep an eye out on other young artists oh of course I would love to it would make my life to just think that any kid out there would like love to like follow what I'm doing or want to know like any insight you know of just what's going on mm-hmm. but yeah I love that just being able to you know, even just talk to someone outside of music too. Mm-hmm. Just get like life advice because mm-hmm. we forget so much. We're so like wrapped up in our careers all the time. Yeah, and we forget about like just all the other things. 
Yeah, and, and speaking of that, I, you know, I wanted to mention, I remember not that long ago, reaching out to you when you had been going through a bit of a harder time, wanted to take some time off of touring, canceled a couple shows. Um, first off, it seems like you're doing really well. Yeah, oh, definitely. And so I'm much happy. better. Uh, talk a little bit about what you were going through at that time, and and I think that in what we do, it's really hard to, to hit the brakes. And while I think that my team, and I think that, uh, I think that the team that you assemble around you as a recording artist um, are there to build you up. Um, sometimes uh, I- I've found when I have asked for help um, that nobody's too excited to cancel a date. Nobody's too excited to cancel a session. This is true. Um, it's really hard to put that um, that mental health and that self-care first. And that goes beyond music with whatever you're doing with work and whatever whatever you do with your free time. It's It's hard to put yourself first. So... Talk about what you were going through and, and how you came to the decision that you needed to take some time off. Yeah, I mean, you're saying the trajectory, you know, you feel like you're just you're just on this wave going up and you feel like you sometimes can't say no to certain things. And, you know, I definitely, I love my team. Everyone on my team has played such a great role in, like, certain aspects of my career. But, yeah, no one definitely, or no one wants to hear, like, you know, we're going to cancel some dates. But it was... I don't want to make it sound like I was like in the worst place in the world because I really wasn't. It just was super overwhelmed with three years basically of just touring straight and not really having, you know, a little even a, like I had a couple months here and there, but that was like kind of it. We're not really feeling like I have a place to go or like a place to just like exist outside of just working on music all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, I just felt like a lot after that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I first uh, I signed in April of 2018, and from that point until January of 2019, I didn't have more than two weeks off. You know, I would be back here for five days, and then I'm back out for a month, and then I'm gone for back for a week, and then I'm gone for two months. And it got so crazy, I hopped on, I think, four or five different tours as an opener uh, right into... Uh, d- doing these promo gigs, doing these acoustic sets in between in the mornings. Wow. And uh, it gets so gnarly, and you kind of lose sight of, like, what what your purpose is. You know, on one hand, I feel that, for me, I, I want to create a, an environment where me and my contemporaries, the other artists that, I, that I'm coming up with, have a space to just be ourselves, make this a little easier for the fans um, of, of what I do, because I, I can't even believe still sometimes that I even get the opportunity to do this, which is why I try to give back as much as possible, but... Um, for me, touring is an opportunity with which to do all that, to grow it. But but this is the real shit, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, because I've seen so many people around me and I've caught myself always needing that more validation if all that I am is a touring artist. If all I am is a touring artist, then the only ways with which I can define my success are the rooms getting bigger, selling out faster, um, and wanting to be Billy fucking Eilish. Mm-hmm. And I can't do that alone. That's really not up to me. Yeah. And that's been very difficult for me at times, especially when I don't have a place to come back to that feels like home, uh, a, a relationship or relationships that feel grounding. Um, that shit can be really, really hard. And, and you know, I, I, if you, it, it's hard if, if I'm back home in Toronto when I was 15, you know, those things didn't come up for me maybe that that was that artist's 150th show of the year. Mm. All I know is that this is my big night out, you know, and if it's a Tuesday night, I'm still going to go really hard and party. So as an artist doing this four or five times a week, it can be a very enabling environment for myself. And um, 
I think it's really hard to to take that space when you need it, and uh, I think it's it, it, it can frankly be pretty pretty brave to do so. Um, so you're on this trajectory as a DJ, making all this electronic music, putting this shit out. Um, how did those conversations first with yourself and then with the people around you go where you realized you did want to make music that was a little different and you were going to be asking fans of your work to reconsider what it means to be a Weathen fan, what it means to sound like a, a, a Weathen song? Like, what what was that like? Yeah, with that, I feel like from the, at least for me, day one, I tried to just... Oops. Careful, dude. Wow, getting crazy in here. Yeah, careful, bro. Um, but just from day one, I really didn't want to box myself in to any genre or any sound even. I really just, every song was such a, a different painting to me. It really was. And just painting a whole different soundscape. And I feel like my fans who really know me have kind of grown with me and have seen the kind of trajectory of the evolution of my sound. And it used to be a lot more production-based, you know. It was just about how hard the beats can go. I've come to love as a person too, just songs with you know great lyrics and and meaning too. So mixing those worlds together is you know sometimes sacrificing for for, for mm. some of my fan base. I've always thought because I I'm a DJ, I do so many shows and you know I'm expected to have like the crowd jumping like all the time. So you know you want your tracks to be coming out and being able to be going off live just like the rest of them. Mm. So you're always kind of like in that medium world like. Do you want to make the pop heads happy or do you want to make the dance floor happy? And there is that world in the middle for sure. There's always that groundwork, and that's that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to take a break, and then we're going to come back for a couple last things. Damn, All right, up. here we go. Gotcha. Yeah, we got to talk about this. We gotta Sorry, I'm going to have a mad Kanye rant as soon as this yeah, gets off. Yeah, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Let's talk um, about it. I, don't, I mean, whatever. What I was going to say was just being a creative and being on the road so much, it, you can feel like you're not creative sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, you're just performing mm-hmm. the creations when I just want to be in a room creating. You know? Yeah, yeah, I think that I've had all these I different... See, yeah, I mean, you still love performing it, but... Of like, course, and you get this weird guilt around it, too, where it's like, I kind of... I'm. It's not that I don't want to be here right now. It's yeah. not that I'm ungrateful, but I certainly didn't find my love for this by playing shows. I wasn't playing any fucking shows. I was mm-hmm. sitting in a room with my buddies, smoking a joint, making music. That was literally something I've been doing for 11 years now. Like, yeah. writing songs. I love writing songs. I love the feeling when it when it starts becoming something yeah. and you know you're on to something. That's a, a really gratifying, addictive feeling. And uh, like I was saying, the, the anxieties that I have sometimes around how the performance of a thing does, especially when it comes down to these numbers that are increasingly available for the public. Like, I think that Spotify is one of... Uh, 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 and I... Yo, shouts out the corporate overlords. I hope that Spotify keeps putting my shit at the top of these playlists and everything. I'm not, I don't mean to t- talk any shit, but the fact that these numbers are public, the fact that you can see how many times Bloodwater's been streamed versus my next biggest song, um, I can see how that can be helpful for me. But I think it's created a culture where people are listening to things with their eyes, you know, where people are gauging how dope something's going to be off of how they think everyone else is reacting to it. And and frankly, that for me, it, it it can be very difficult to not start playing the numbers game with social media, you know. And I think that that's true for anybody. If I I can't imagine being in high school right now with Instagram, I'd lose my fucking mind. I know. Um, between Instagram, between um, Spotify, uh, you know, making these numbers 
publicly accessible and available. And then the caps of these rooms, you know, that might not be um, available to the public. But, you know, for me, in the back of my mind, I can see other artists that are doing things that I feel like I should be doing or why didn't we sell us out? Did I make these wrong steps? Nobody can tell me shit when I'm sitting in the room making music. You know, when I'm just in a room making a song, that has something that is just for me and the people I'm making it with, and there's something so exciting about that. And the second I put it out, as beautiful as it is to to have it be received, and the fact that we can put a song out and have it be listened to more than half a million times in like three fucking days, it's really unbelievable when you try to wrap your head around it. But at the same time, as soon as that starts happening, you just want more, like... So I'm looking around going, yeah, that's cool, but how many should it have, you know? How many is Oliver's song doing yeah, in a fucking like, weekend? So how does that it, it change my attitude? And it creates a space where I feel less grateful, I feel less humble. I'm just so, like, I, I don't have the gratitude that I feel that I should because I just want more, more, more. Um, so in that sense, I totally re- relate to that. And, and I, I, you know, my community that I make music with is... Um, on one hand, and then the community that I make magic with on stage is another group of dudes. We have two separate teams, and I'm as grateful for both. I think that my live band in, in, in David and Ramon and Renzo are so indispensable and have provided me with so much joy, and, and I've learned so much from them the same way that I've learned a lot from Boone and, and from the different other writers and producers that we work with. Um, but at the same time, they are different from me, so when I get an idea on the road. I'm, I'm sending voice notes back and forth. I'm getting a kind of bounce. It doesn't sound like I want, but I'm not there to, to, to nurture it along. And it can be really difficult as a songwriter to spend a year, you know, not being able to, to, to watch a song go from its, uh, its infancy to a finished product. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I totally resonate with that. And, uh, I think it's really important to ask for those breaks when you need them. And, mm-hmm. By the time that my tour cycle ended last year, it was the end of October, and I had uh, nothing lined up for December. There's a bunch of these like alternative radio winter bash things I did the year before when Bloodwater was on radio that I didn't do this year because I didn't have a single at radio. And in the back of my mind, I'm going, fuck, like, aren't I supposed to be doing those? Does this mean I'm not popping in the same way? Like, um, And then I didn't really have much going on in February and January. We had some shit that we were really excited about that, for whatever reason, fell through, got rescheduled, blah, blah, blah. So all of a sudden, I was looking at three, four months off for the first time since I got signed two years ago. Wow. And I'm like, I, on one hand, all I want is to be back out there. I'm like, D- what does this mean? Am I fucking old news? You know, is my prime you past me? a lot me? of time to think I'm for be sure. The, yeah, I'm going to be this blood water guy. And that really filled me with a lot of anxiety. And now here I am being able to do something like this, which is something I've always wanted to do. I got a bunch of new music that is unreleased that I'm I'm as happy about as anything I've ever made. I got a new relationship that I'm in. I got a new apartment, a new neighborhood. Like I've honestly, I I I feel that that time off was a huge, huge blessing. But at the time, you couldn't have told me that. Like all I wanted to do is just stay out there, stay killing it because I feel like you know if you're not living, you're dying. Like I feel like by taking a break that that I was essentially just giving up. And that's been really interesting for me to understand that 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 time and and space are necessary, not just like uh, um, available. It's not just that you can take a break, but you need to. It's the only way to fuel the fire creatively. It's the only way to have the stamina to go back on the road. Um, and those things are really difficult to make peace with for me. Um, and a big thing that's come up for me 
I know this was an interview about you, but now I'm just ranting. But I'm curious how you navigate this. For me, a thing that's come up a lot is this this concept of ambition, you know. Because on one hand, I feel like I want to be this huge artist. I want to make change the way that my favorite artists did. Mm-hmm. And I want to come back to L.A. and play the fucking forum. Like That's what I feel that I am on a trajectory on. That's a thing that's going to happen to me in this decade is I'm going to play to 10,000 people. I'm not scared to say that out loud and manifest it. I'm not scared that one day I can look back and and have that not come true. Like I still want to say that. But the more that I've been touring, the more that I dedicated every single moment of my waking life to accomplishing that, I found that I was actually not that happy because it. until I get that, that's not going to feel good. That just feels like a, anything less than that is failure. So I got off my first headline tour, and it was an unbelievable experience. But the whole time, I was just not feeling that great because all I wanted to do was just get bigger. I felt embarrassed that the rooms were, like, small, you know, that I was playing these 400-cap rooms. It was like, shouldn't I be doing bigger than this? What the fuck is going on? And um, so I had to start reconsidering, like, well, how ambitious am I and what constitutes ambition? Because for me, I'm trying not to think so much about what I want and focus more on what I need. All I need is to not be working at, at, at a Starbucks right now. No offense to anybody that does. You know, I literally couldn't do that. I couldn't keep a job when I was in high school for more than a week. Like, I would just get fired. I just couldn't do it. Um, that's what I need. I need to make music. I need to have a community of inspired, creative, talented people around me. Like, those are the things I need. Do I need to get to the forum? I don't know. Do I need a house that's going to have such a high mortgage that I'm going to spend my whole life paying it off? You know, having to tour, I don't want to need to do shit. So all of a sudden, I started asking myself, like, well, then what the fuck am I doing? You know, and I think that this XXY shit, that's me trying to get to the root of, like, why do I do any of this? If I'm only in it to be the best possible thing I can be at it, then I'm actually going to be less happy. And if being happy is the point, which in my opinion, I'm starting to take more seriously than it is, then I might actually not need to be on tour the 10 months of the year that I might need to, to get there for the next 10 years, you know, that's been a really interesting thing for me. And I don't know if you've spent any time asking yourself that those questions, but, um, having stood up to your team and, 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 and let your fans be disappointed on that Australian run and said, yo, I need some time to just go do some fun shit. I got to just go run around and and be young and be in my twenties and whatever. Um, how important is it? When you look at Skrillex to go, I'm going to fucking be that. And are you, have you imagined a world where that doesn't come true, I guess? Wow. <sighs> I had a cup of coffees. I'm fucking jacked up right Packed now. Packed in. Sorry. No, that's, gr- that's amazing. I think that, I mean, yeah, the, the one hand of you just is so ambitious. And you just, you know, you see your idols and all the greats. And you want to, like, achieve everything that they've achieved. And you compare. You compare everything you're doing to what they're doing. They're like, well, you know, they did that when they were here am I doing that and if you're not there then you're like kind of bummed and I think I've just kind of lost like in a good way I just like lost the mentality of just like not comparing yourself to anyone because everyone's trajectory is just so different and just the industry and everything that we do even the shows we play are like they're like kind of changing like all the time you know so there's it's really hard to keep up with there's everything that's even changing but I I think with someone like Skrillex and seeing like where he's at it definitely like propels me to want to like work harder to try to get those things because if that's like your end goal and like you know your happiness or or whatever it is you know touring 10 months out of the year you know something that he might have done but 
you know, goes back to everyone's trajectory is different, and you have to realize that sometimes taking a break is going to definitely help you in the long run, even though you might not be able to see it, like, mm. right this second. Yeah, that shit is fucking hard. But you'll never know, either. That's why it's yeah. hard. You can never really know. Yeah, you just have to feel everything based on the moment. And, and, and f- it's difficult because, you know, there are people who, who in their mind is like all they're trying to do is get to where we're at. You know, I, I, I say that we're in a similar yeah. space in between where we came from and where we're going, mm-hmm. um, albeit maybe in different spaces, uh, different genres or whatever the fuck. Like, I think it's all alternative who gives a fuck. But, you know, talking to a lot of people that I once looked up to um, that I can now see eye to eye, I feel that very few people that I speak to seem to be happy with here now. You know, you don't get here without wanting to get up there. And if you're not careful, you can be so fixated on this uh, ever-moving definition of success that you can be something and, and have completely lost the perspective on that. You know, And for me, it was like, what was I hoping that uh, having a, a gold record, what did I think having a song with 100 million plays on Spotify, what did I hope that my life was going to look like? What did I think that my, my, my attitude towards life was going to be like? Um, and, and asking myself, honestly, have I even accomplished that? Because those things don't have that much to even do with music. You know, those things don't have to do with like, I guess I got to just get bigger and then I'll start feeling good about myself. Um, and I wish I could have told me that earlier. And I think that's another reason why I want to do this is talking to other kids out there and it might not be music. It might be photography. It might be spaces of activism where you feel like I just want to make a difference. And until I make that difference, I'm not going to be happy, but if you do get to meet your heroes, it's, you often find that, you know, they, if, if there's one regret that I see that is expressed, it's that we didn't enjoy the process along the way. Mm-hmm. And if that means taking some time off to take care of yourself, um, if that means, you know, spending a little extra money to go on one more vacation or whatever. And, and so much of that is, is built on these foundations of privilege, you know, that, uh, that we were able to get guitar lessons or whatever when we were kids or have access to, to music education or that we are, have the luxury of being able to take time off of work and, and still be able to pay our rent. Some people out there um, cannot do that, and that's actually kind of confusing for me because it kind of fucks up the message that I have, which is like just take care of yourself, but you still need to find that and trust. You need to trust that in taking that space, whatever that space might look like for you, you will be better off and you will do your best work if it's coming from a genuine place of love, which it sounds like it started off for you as I know it was for me. And for me, I'm trying to always return to that space of just doing it because I love doing it, doing it because I want to continuously change and evolve and, and be my best self. And, um, you just can't do that when you're just so focused on on popping off because, you know, all I want is a million followers on Instagram and then three years later, nobody even gives a fuck about Instagram, you know? And then what, you know? Yeah. And th- then all you have is numbers on what your the, phone. Yeah, yeah, this fucking, the... this phone, it, it's not even real. Like, somebody invented this shit, like, recently. It's unbelievable. Um, we're going to take a break. We already recorded uh, our XXY session of us just jamming out in the other room and that's going to that's gonna be available on Adobe or whatever the fuck. So I guess you can watch that somewhere. Um, but anyways, we're going to take a break, and then we'll come back. So let's do that now. We're back. I'm chilling. Weedy's looking for a place to hold his spoon. Ashley's got the spoon. Thank you. We have Apple is not paying us, but I do have a Mac laptop here. They will give us the bread at some point. It's going to be tight. Um, Shout out Steve Jobs. Yeah, let's go. R.I.P. Um, 
We got some fan questions. And I'm going to ask you them, I guess. And then, and then we're going to talk about some other stuff. So, at Give Me Your Teeth said, what was the writing process or recording process for All In My Head like? I'm genuinely curious about this because we got to hang out one day. It was you, me, and, and Kevin, yep. a.k.a. Boone. Um, we kicked it at your spot. Yep. Uh, a beautiful spot, by the way. A great, a great vibe. Um, we laid down the guitar riff. I had had the lyrics to a different idea that I just cannibalized for this idea. You built a bare bones build up and drop. Um, it had a structure. We had a bridge with different lyrics. Uh, and then it, it only went into the double time shit at the end. Oh, yeah. There was only that one double time. At the end. Then we didn't hear from you for a couple months. <laughs> then you sent back a song that sounded completely different. That was completely, fire. Everything completely everything different. Everything completely different. The guitar riff was the same. And yeah. the lyrics were the same, but you had cut some of the lyrics. Different So I'm genuinely curious too. What was the process like for you and for that song? I mean, yeah, a lot of a lot of songs that I've at least this project I have coming out are so much like this, where they just start as one thing. They kind of let I let them marinate, just see like what they could be. I let them like figure it out. So a part of the process is just letting them sit. Sometimes, yeah. Some songs are already just that one. I, I wasn't fully loving the like drop I had there, so I was like, all right, this one is sick idea. Just needs a little more production work, so I usually just like to usually start from zero then at that point and go for that minimal vibe and just find elements that work and I ended up just liking the vibe of that double time feeling on it way mm. more than how I had it before with the half time. It just kind of was instead of it was instead of slow. Now you're like now we're ready jumping. to go into the mosh pit. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, but yeah, I love that. Just remixing it basically until it just sounds, but still like. Like it happened. And also, you know? shouts out Tim Reynolds. I don't. I and still Tim to Randolph, this day have no in, idea what he did on that song. Yeah, but I he think came he came in. And, yeah, he came in and saw. Tim Reynolds it up is real a producer quick. that you've been working with on almost the whole project. Yes, shouts out. He's a mastermind. Cool, great story. He bro. did some gnarly drums on that thing. Oh, he did that. the drums. Yeah, fire. Um, and real quick, I'm about to get mad deep on you. Similar to what we were talking about earlier, how taking space is a necessary part of the process. You know, that seems to be innately true for your music. You know, I'm building a song, building a song. Now I'm going to let it sit there for three weeks, work on some other shit, come back to it with fresh ears. Yet we don't do that for our mental health. Why, man? I don't know. Our saboteur won't fucking let us. Okay. Let's ask. uh, Let's go. At Nicole T. Bunch of numbers. Don't even want to try. What are your inspirations for some of your solo projects, too? How was working with each other? What's the hardest part of collaboration in general? In my head, writing seems like an individual process, but I don't know. I think that's a good question. Uh, so I guess, yeah, just to, what, let's just focus on what's the hardest part for you in collaborating. Hmm. I love collaborating. I think the hardest part, though, is usually just trying to meet both worlds, you know? And be satisfied, like both people satisfied. Sometimes in collaborating, you can find one person being way more into one kind of thing, and then the other one being like more into other. Finding that middle world is usually like the hardest part. I think. Yeah, I think for me, I, I find collaboration can actually be pretty difficult if there isn't an established hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, one thing that helped was I contextualized our collaboration as your song featuring me. Mm-hmm. So I really set out consciously, not the day that we worked together, but in getting bounces and not being able to link up or anything. 
Um, I actually worked with Elohim, who I got to get on here one time. She's incredible, she's awesome. Yeah. She's such a good homie. But one time we were working on a song for my shit, um, and I was asking her what she thinks we should do at one part, and she looked at me. She was like, "I am here to facilitate your expression. Whatever you think we should do, I'm happy to do." And I thought that was so professional and mature. So I think within the, I would say the hardest part of collaborating is, is just like staying true to that and having the humility for me on that song i could have the first time i heard this thing i was like i missed the halftime i missed the Mm -hmm. old structure i thought the old shit was dope bang 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 hit you with four paragraphs of notes and and try to micromanage your shit but then in the back of your mind you might have been like man fuck this dude number one number two like it's sour the whole idea of it i don't even want to work on this song so instead like being able to be like my attitude for what I think is best is really just my shit. So I got to just do something with that. Do some push-ups and some jumping jacks in my room. Find some other place to bark orders at people. But then when I hit you, I was just like, yo, this is fire. And I meant it. I did mean it. Um, the other thing that's hard for me is that I'm so dope and everyone else sucks and everyone else is trash. So trying to try and, trying to let go of knowing how much better I am than everybody else, is that, that can be really <laughs> hard. Um, true, that was funny, though. You totally could have, like... Gone yeah. off on it, and I was just—I remember I was—I was like, "Here's my phone." So that's yeah, Here's that's risky my DM. for some artists. It's risky to send them back something that's so different than what they remember. Yeah. You know? I don't know. For me, it was like it's way more important to me that this song comes out and the riff's the same and it's fun. And yeah. now, I genuinely, I'm way happier with this version than I was. But at the time, I was not sure about it. Um, one last fan question, um, and then we'll get into another segment. Is uh, A-L-D-A-N-A, Aldana, Aldana, S-V, said, what's the end goal that both of you have for your careers? I think my end goal, aside from, I guess it's not very career-based, I was going to say, aside from being happy and just healthy, is probably more than just music. I just love creating and just jumping into all other fields eventually. Like, I know I want to make movies, I want to make crazy videos, get into fashion as well. So I think just like never stopping the inspiration and creativity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. End goal, like I think for me, it's just been fluctuating so much like that rant I just went on. Like I don't even fucking know half the time, but I know that I feel that I feel the most fulfillment and the most sense of purpose when I when my end goal is to inspire and, and, and to make this shit a little bit easier for somebody else. And when I say make this shit easier, I just mean life. Like, you know, being able to talk about difficult things. You know, that song, All In My Head, it, it, it is, it, 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 when I said something along the lines of, there's no arrival, there's no destination that's going to free me from my own imagination. It's what we've been talking about. You know, I was really struggling with those things when we first met up, and those lyrics speak to that I'll never get to a point um, of external success that will fulfill me in, in internally. I have to do that work between me and myself um there's no finish line there's no door to open that'll liberate me from that feeling that i have um that i that i of of feeling incomplete so i think for me that the end goal is to just try and make that a little bit easier for other people and just write great songs like i melodies are cool i love production i love all these things but more than anything i want to be a great songwriter as it pertains to lyrics and poetry i just love writing so i would just love to 
have people fuck with me as a writer and get the respect I, I genuinely feel that I deserve. I really feel like I'm I'm like running laps around a lot of these motherfuckers. And I'm just gonna be honest about that. I love and, the writing uh, all in my head. Yeah, thank you. Same. Me too. Me fucking too. And so Incredible. I think that that's that. I'm gonna give this laptop back now. And then the last thing that we're gonna do here, um, we've teamed up with uh, an, a great organization called Headcount to try to get people motivated and excited to vote. The year is 2020. Uh, there is some crazy, crazy shit going on in the world. Our president was just acquitted of what was, um, by all accounts, a crime. And he is a criminal, and he got away with crime. And uh, I'm supposed to make this section nonpartisan, and one day I'm going to get better at that. But that's besides the point. We're just trying to get people to give a fuck because uh, you should, because it, it's your responsibility to do so. Everybody seems to have an opinion on Twitter about it, but um, you got to vote. You got to be registered to vote if you want to vote, though. So, what we're doing is uh, we've teamed up with Gibson as well to give away one of these sexy, beautiful acoustic guitars um, every month. All you have to do is work with us, people, and get registered to vote, but whatever. Um, we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, as part of this headcount segment, you're like, what the fuck is going on right now? My question for you is, what is one thing, what is one issue that is important to you in 2020? If you have one. I have to think about what is one issue that is important. I mean, there's a bunch. Definitely, I can think of a good one. I'll, I'll jump in with one that is important to me is public education. Um, the current administration has... Uh, a, a woman worth hundreds of millions of dollars who didn't put her kids in public school, who doesn't know shit about public school, making decisions on behalf of teachers all across America and everything to do with public funding for music education, um, for creative writing programs, um, hangs in the balance. And as long as we're spending over a trillion dollars a year on war, we're just not going to have that much money to enable kids to have the sort of access to instruments and to opportunities creatively that I got to have growing up in Canada. So music education is something that's important to me. I think clean water is a very important thing. There's a lot of places in the world that can't even get clean water. I think that is a thing we all need. We need motherfucking water. We need water here. You you hear us? You hear us, world? We need clean we motherfucking need water. water. The people in Flint need to know. <laughs> I think that's about it. Shouts out um, you for having the time. And the energy to come kick it. No, I really blast. appreciate it. Um, thank you for giving me the space to just talk my shit. Thank you for letting me be on this project that I genuinely think is pushing electronic music forward. Thank you for making magic. Let's go. And I think that um, alternative music is evolving and shifting. And for me, for the last five years, four years now, I've just been trying to see where and how the intersections of hip-hop, mm-hmm. rock and roll, and electronic can coincide. And um, I don't think that there's that many people out. I also want to shout out Kazo, who's been doing some like a harder version of it, but has had the courage to, to bring a lot of rock shit together. He brought me out for Coachella last year. Um, so I think he's doing some cool shit, but then within the space of alternative music, I really think that you're you're doing this shit. And uh, however it goes, I hope that you're happy doing it. And... and um, I guess one last thing is if if there was one kid out there that wanted to be we a, a, a young Weethan, what's one singular piece of advice you might be able to give them? Follow your gut. Don't listen to people that give you negative energy towards your opinions. I think that's something I would have loved to not do when I was younger. If I would have just followed what was really happening like inside here, inside the heart, and just did me, I would have 
I am happy, but I would just would have been even more happy in that moment. Mm -hmm. Just don't listen to anyone giving you that. Anything negative. Find your motherfucking why. Well said. Amen, brother. Thank you for coming on. And uh, I'll see you whenever I'm jumping around on stage with you, bro. Make that shit happen. Let's go, man. Let's go. That's it. Thank you so much. Peace.